Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, David Brothers. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. And today, I'm David, I'm hosting, and I am here today to talk about one of my favorite cartoonists, one of my favorite artists, period, I think, Takehiko Inoue. We have been using Katsuhiro Otomo as kind of a bellwether, a barometer, measuring stick on the podcast, I guess. <laughs> one of those analogies has to work, where he's like sort of not the best ever, but so good he's kind of undeniable, you know? And we mm. compare him to a bunch of different things. And I would actually put Inoue in kind of a similar boat, not necessarily for his draftsmanship, but for how his stories tend to play out over time. He created Slam Dunk in the 90s, which was incredibly popular, is still incredibly popular. Just recently had a film release that made me cry in the theater. And then he parlayed that fame into basically forming his own personal manga company, like publishing company, planning company, to where his publishers don't really get to tell him what to do anymore. Like he'll do a project and he will put it out when it's done as he likes, which is pretty great. And Real is his third basketball manga, I believe, after Slam Dunk in the 90s, Buzzer Beater, which he did for ESPN.com in the late 90s, way ahead of its time. And Real is mostly about wheelchair basketball and rehab. There's like a wide variety of characters who have a variety of things that they're dealing with in their life. And it sort of all circles back to the idea of coming to terms with what your life is now. Like you had a life that you thought was going to go one way. Maybe you were the popular kid in school. Maybe you were, you know, an excellent wrestler. And then something happened. Maybe, you know, familial disease. Maybe you were hit by a car. Something happened that changed the arc of your life irrevocably. And now you have to learn to deal with it. Some characters take to it. Other characters kind of balk and run. The subject of Real Volume 13, this guy named Scorpion Shiratori, was a character who I thought was really fascinating. Because at the time, I hadn't read much manga about wrestling, like pro wrestling, guys in the ring and things like that. And this guy, over the course of the, I think, six or seven volumes he's in before this volume, like quickly became a favorite. Great perspective, great vibe. And when volume 13 hit, and it was just all about him. It was sort of like a special issue of Spider-Man that's just all about like Harry Osborn or something, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Star becomes the main guy. <laughs> uh. And I found it really moving. Like, I think the series as a whole is very moving. And I think this is a good, like a microcosm of what Inoue is doing in real. And also what he's done in series like Vagabond, which is about Miyamoto Musashi. So Vagabond is very long. Real is also, you know, a dozen volumes long. But I thought a standalone volume might be fun to talk about on the podcast with the manga explaining gang. So I should actually say what this volume is about a little more thoroughly. I've been listening back when I edit, and I never do this part, so I'm going to try to do better <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Pro wrestling super heel of all time, Scorpion Shiratori, is determined to make a comeback, despite the fact that he doesn't have the full use of his legs. Takahashi's in the crowd and can barely watch, Takahashi being a character who also goes to the same rehab as Shiratori. But will witnessing Shiratori attempt the impossible open up something new within Takahashi? Critically acclaimed, award-winning manga artist Takehiko Inoue doesn't pull any punches in the stunning portrayal of people struggling with serious life issues. Masterfully combining rich character development with beautifully detailed line art, Inoue, the creator of the mega-hit masterpieces Slam Dunk and Vagabond, I agree, lifts the manga medium to a completely new level of storytelling. So, all that preamble to say, Deb, you're pretty familiar with Inoue's work, right? Like you've read Slam Dunk and Vagabond? 
Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> How did volume 13 of Real hit you? <laughs> I, I guess it had been a while since I've read this because he's taken quite a long time between volumes since then. And you yeah. kind of tend to forget, right? Like, oh, he's still doing this? Or where did we leave off on this again? But reading 13 by itself made me go, oh, this is what the series should have been all along. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's because I'm reading the rest of the, the basketball, we've heard basketball aspect of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, initially the character is this guy with spiky hair and he's the classic kind of male lead very kind of strong-willed and stuff like that. And then the, the other guy, uh, Taka, what's the, Takahashi, is mm-hmm. he goes through a much longer journey from being a, a basketball superstar to being absolutely at ground zero with rehab and mm-hmm. really super struggling with it. What we get here with this guy <laughs> is just, oh, it's just breathtaking. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everything he's been building up to since volume eight, like about what Hanasaki, the the weaker looking guy with the glasses. Mm-hmm. The letter uh, writer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, so satisfying. And how, mm. and how brilliantly you see all these little hints of him, you know, thinking about his daughter and all the little things about, you know, his colleague who is he's fighting, who used to be his partner. Like mm-hmm. all the things that were hinted at from volume eight onward, all of a sudden come into sharp focus. And, all of the things that he's, he says, like, you know, what does it mean to be strong? I, I want to be strong. Or wrestlers are different, you know? <laughs> all yeah. these things, like, oh, all of a sudden, it all makes sense. And it's the uh, action's great. When you read more of it, you feel like he's in his 40s compared to the other character who is, like, 18. Mm-hmm. And, god damn, you know, these scenes, <laughs> they're so good. It's <laughs> a really propuls- good clothesline. <laughs> just propulsive. and. What I love about his art is he shows body weight. And when people are struggling to stand up with, with only their arms, you can feel the weight of it. When you mm-hmm. see someone hitting their face on the mat, you can feel the weight of it. It doesn't feel fake. It doesn't. It has real body mass and humanity to it. It's exciting. I like that, humanity. That's a really good description of what kind of drew me to Inoue's work. Because so much of it is about trying to overcome either yourself or, I mean, I guess all stories about overcoming something. Mm. But like the internal struggles are so big in this. And Christopher, how did the struggles in Real 13 hit you? Was it resonant? Yes, very much so. This may be one of the best books we've read for the podcast. Hey, two for two so far. I'm, I'm genuinely uh, grateful that you picked it. I was reading it last night and tearing up. I've had a rough week, but uh, I think it's actually good in, in addition to that. Yeah, I think Inoue's always been a mangaka whose work I have appreciated and recognized that he's he's a genius. Like He's actually one of the best working mangaka, full stop. But I've never really vibed with his stories to the degree that I vibed with his art. I think he is just an immensely talented technical artist. His work has so much life, so much humanity to it. And I think I... I read the first two volumes of Real, and I I dipped on it because there, maybe because of that humanity, because there was so much, there's so much anger in those first two volumes. There's there's a lot of, and it's justifiable and it's real, but <laughs> pardon the pun, that wasn't intentional. <laughs> but it was. I talk a lot about how I have a hard time with narrative, like television and movies and stuff lately, and it's because of that 
that tension. And when it's when something's good, when something's well done, it it kind of makes me tense along with it. And whether that's its intention or not, and I think real hit me like that. I think real was like this is too real. It was too much. Vagabond, I never quite vibed with because I think it became something later, became something different later in the story. Mm-hmm. But this picking it up, I was actually excited to give it another shot. And the cover is just an amazing illustration. Like this is close up and how he chose to sort of de- not desaturate, but changes the colors so that it's more, I don't know. He, like he just he makes, makes a lot of choices. natural skin tone. Yes, yeah. ac- ac- absolutely. <laughs> so long story short, and I can, I could, I want to get into it, but yeah, I think that this is a really phenomenal single volume of manga, especially in the context of a larger ongoing series. Mm-hmm. And for it to come 13 volumes in, it shows how confident he is as a creator, where he's just like, all right, if you've read the first 12, I can do kind of whatever I want for volume 13, because you're going to you're going to keep coming back. I'm not going to lose you 3000 pages in. And yeah. I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he did. This was an amazing to, to the point now that I actually I'm going to go back and read the series. Um, it's it's that right. strong. That's and I'll awesome. just deal with my <laughs> with my feelings. <laughs> no, for real. Thank you. I appreciate you you picking this one. This was really yeah. You're good. welcome. I worked really hard on this one. It, it, interesting that you're you're going to go back and and read it from the beginning now because I wonder if that tension will be lessened because you see where the characters are by volume thirteen. Mm. I'm not even sure this guy was in the first two that I read. The the wrestler character. No, he comes he, in volume eight. Yeah. No, <laughs> volume eight um, starts. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's people dealing with very intense trauma yeah. in the first two volumes. Someone who is newly confined to a wheelchair who, like David was saying in the intro, thinks his life is over. And it's a rough place to be. And it's a rough time to spend time with that person yeah. for those first two volumes who's just like just lashing out constantly. That kind of anger I found really difficult. Whereas this, you get a full picture of this dude's life, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And it's presented so thoughtfully and carefully that even when I was on the edge of my seat, like he, he even thought to put two characters in the audience who were feeling the same things. So you had a, yeah. a character to relate to masterful. Like I'm feeling tension about this guy's life and what's going to happen. Cut to the two guys in the audience feeling the same thing. who are bringing their own stuff to the table as well. Who are right there with you feeling that same tension, man. Like th- yeah. this, this Look at dude, that one. the reaction shots are amazing. No, he gets it. And no, he gets it. It's good. Okay. It's good comics. So, yeah, that's cool. that's my take. And Chip, am I three for three? Is this a hit with the Zadarsk man as well? This book sucked. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I agree completely with Chris. Like, this is definitely one of the best books that has been brought to the podcast. I was reticent, you know, kind of volume 13. Like, I bounced hard off of Bleach. Yeah. Like volume 55 or whatever. I just found that just to be too confusing of an entry point. But with this, like it is very self-contained and it's like so well done. So well done. And mm-hmm. we haven't even really talked about like the surface level of it, which is it's a wrestling match with a guy who can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still tense and like amazing. Like it's an amazing match. All the pageantry of wrestling on display too. Like I love his like tongue out pose mm-hmm. with the, like the kid in the audience and like just kind of 
playing that role of heel so well, even when you're kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. It's brilliant. I absolutely loved it. And yeah, the art's amazing. Like spectacular gestural stuff. Amazing faces. There are points where I, I do kind of bounce off of the hatching. I think sometimes mm-hmm. the hatching is done, but it doesn't aid it in any way. Like it is open to kind of yeah. a random page, which is really not the best kind of pose either. But like the top one is just like, yeah, like oh. it, it's just kind of, it's all over the place. and doesn't actually help define much, mm-hmm. but, but that's such a small quibble. Like, like obviously this guy's a master at drawing. Every page is gorgeous and distinct too, which is hard to yeah. do. Yeah, the characters. I mean, it's hard enough, like when you're kind of doing a quasi-realistic style, but to have the characters feel so consistent from panel to panel, like there's no confusion as to who's who in this. Whereas a lot of the books we read, there can be. Yeah, which is shocking because, like, you think that with the super cartoony stuff, where that is usually a problem, there's a lot more shortcuts to make characters look more distinct. But here, it's like. Yeah, everyone just feels like fully realized in the art. And I love even across different hairstyles. There's they still look like themselves. Yeah, yeah, There's I really love really his old underrated. hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, his old hairstyle cracked me up. He's got like this like beat up old man face and this like sp- spiky young guy hair. I'm like, oh, that's so yeah. funny. <laughs> Such a funny it's look. Like a weird Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. The trauma that Christopher was talking about, I think is partly what drew me to real. Mm. Cause I think when I started reading this, I was not aging out of Shonen and Shonen jump, but more like, I kind of got the point of like friendship and it was very important to me and I appreciate it, but I was needing kind of more meat in my stories a little bit. And real went from being like kind of expecting, Oh, this will be a high school basketball or a college basketball story or something like that or a story all about competition to being a story about like, how do you live your life and why really, really struck a chord with me in a different way than similar stories in Vagabond did. So I don't know. I'm also very glad that everybody likes this. This book is surprisingly important to me. It's one of those, you know, where you're rereading it and you're like, Oh wait, no, like this is giving me a ton of different feelings. <laughs> it, it did give me some feelings. Not going <laughs> to lie. The between chapter sketches where they're just oh, like yeah. really rough yeah, yeah. bits with like fun facts about the characters. Also great. So good. But in a way, there's this thing where a lot of his stories feel like they can be metaphors for creation or like kind of being someone who's an artist is like the easiest metaphor to draw for these kind of things. Like, how do you stay on top in a world where maybe you're past your prime? How do you stay relevant when, you know, things are moving past you? And I thought this was really interesting from that perspective because it seems like he's saying the answer is you accept it and go out in the best way you can, you know? Yeah, and you continue to give the people what they want, too, which is yeah. interesting as well. Yeah. the There's something really... It's like the beauty of a job well done, maybe. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at. Deb, what did you... How did you feel about, like, kind of the themes they were exploring in this? Whenever we talk about, like, a shoujo manga, you ask us if... We could relate to like the, the so-called girly parts. Did this like manly struggle <laughs> strike a chord with you? Oh, come now. <laughs> I'm in touch with my inner angsty male. I read enough nice. sports manga. <laughs> I'm in touch with my angsty middle-aged b- body not doing what it used to 
angst. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I really, I'm reading this, looking over this again, and I'm loving like the scenes from 188 where they show Takahashi in a a jar as a Mm. little boy. And it Mm kind of quickly goes like, you know, how he was in high school, kind of arrogant. You see that look on his face. But, you know, it shows that his his innocence in his heart is kind of locked away, right? Like he's too cynical or he's too cool for school. And then his mother, you know, they find the box, his old basketball teammate. Oh, the box won't open. Mm -hmm. His girlfriend, you know, nothing gets to him until he gets hit by the truck, the one that, you know, takes away his ability to use his legs. And then it shows the people in rehab that he's talking with. And the jar opens. And then the next scene is he's crying. And it's such a beautiful metaphor for, you know, because all from from volume one, this character has been really struggling with, with you know, losing his legs and not, not being the, the, the hot guy anymore, not being the athlete anymore. And yeah. you see, it, you know, the tears streaming down his face and he finally realizes all the things that Shiratori was telling him, you know, because they're roommates at the rehab hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then finally he screams, like, don't, don't lose Shiratori. <laughs> Like all of a sudden he's, he gives up trying to be cool yeah, and he gives up trying to restrain himself. Like he, he's genuinely touched by the amount of effort that his, this guy who he thought was just like, what's, what's up with you, man? Like, why are you trying so hard? Or why are you like this? You're so larger than life. And saying all these mm-hmm. things like, you know, that's what a pro wrestler does. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then the, this volume ends with him joining the, wheelchair basketball club that he's been kind of like pushing off, like saying, I'm, mm-hmm. I can't do this or I'm, I'm not into it. So this yeah. is an interesting turning point for the book because this is not only a turning point for the, the wrestler character, but it's also for the guy with the glasses, Hanasaki, and it's a turning point for Takahashi. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, if this book ended right, if this series ended right now, it would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be I think satisfied. It kind of did with the delays for a while too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> but it made me feel like, like when I was reading over again, like I thought, this is not what you know I thought the series would be. Mm. Like it, it feels like he lost interest in the other two characters, the character mm-hmm. who wants to become a pro basketball player, but you know was a high school dropout, or the initial character who lost one leg because of cancer. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of the stereotypical. Inoi hero, like your Miyamoto Musashi, your the Sakuragi kind of guy. (laughs) But it seems like now, as I'm reading this now, like he lost interest in those two characters. (laughs) You know, sometimes you have to follow the story. Yeah, Mm. I think you really because Vagabond goes through a similar evolution where it goes from like a book where there's a 400 page fight scene, which is incredible. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> to like three volumes in a row about farming and like the, the, the texture of mud, you know, which it turns out like several of my favorite books have had that exact transition. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I, 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 can I, can I reiterate because we've, yeah. Deb especially has been throwing around mm-hmm. a lot of names. You can pick up volume 13 and read it. And yeah. it does have characters from earlier in the series. Everyone, you know, has their own moments and things like that. But I was never at a point where I felt lost, mm. where I mm. didn't understand who these characters were and what their role was in the story, even mm. though it was kind of in media res. I want to go back and read more about them because it's so good. But I don't think ah. anyone picking up this book, if they're 
open-minded about it would have a problem with it. I don't think they'd get lost. No. It's true. The, there was only one point that I actually had to go back and do a kind of a reread when it kind of switches to Takahashi and then the jar and, and the accident and him being cool and stuff. Mm-hmm. My first read through, I'm like, oh, oh, is that the guy? Oh, okay. Oh, well, all right. And then I just kind of I just flip back to the beginning of that and reread it. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I, now I get it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I had no context for him at all. I'm glad that it's sort of, I think standalone's the wrong word for it. It's complete, maybe, is the best yeah. word. Yeah. Because there are a bunch of relationships that have payoffs in here. Like in the flashback or the reverie about the box that Deb mentioned, there's an old man with the with a dad mustache who is Takahashi's dad, and he spends a lot of the series away from Takahashi. But when he comes back, he's like thinking to himself, he's like, you know, I would pray every night that I would see my son again. I would hold a basketball just to try to understand what he saw about it. And all the time I spent away wasn't wasted because I came back here. And that's one mm, of those things like Christopher, heavy. where I was like, ah, this is stressing me out. This is super yeah. good, but this is really stressing me out. Yeah. And there's a little payoff in here where the dad is one of the first ones to try to pick up his son after the accident. And it takes a village, so to speak, you know, friends, family, coworkers, I guess, on the basketball team, teammates. And then they eventually crack them open. And that's really sort of beautiful. Mm. Though this does make me realize how many manga kind of manga stories maybe begin with a truck hitting somebody. Like it's almost <laughs> we a cliche. covered that in Isekai, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> like it, it was in Ajin Demi Human as well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's like an epidemic of trucks. <laughs> you go back to volume eight, and because I, I was like, what? Because I, I had yeah. to go back. It's like, how did he get injured? You know, because I couldn't remember. And it says, so Takashi asked him, was it a wrestling injury that damaged your spine? And he goes, nah, traffic accident. Took a turn too fast on my scooter. Bam, hit by a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> Another truck. It's just a tiny little panel with you. And that becomes his bonding moment it. for them. Yeah. He goes, yeah, truck hit me too. I was on a bike. <laughs> I, I am now interested if like vehicular accidents like that are higher in Japan. <laughs> What if it's the equivalent of getting bitten by a radioactive spider in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I have a self-indulgent sidebar that kind of relates to the the authenticity of the series, I think. The wrestling match, the one that the main focus of the story is in Karakuen Hall, and I don't think they ever say it out uh, loud. They do. <laughs> oh, they did say it at some point. Okay. Oh, they say it when they're planning it in volume 12, planning the match. Mhm. Yeah, that rules. <laughs> and it's there's something about sports arenas where you can really feel like the excitement and feel like the epicness of it. And Karakuen Hall isn't the largest arena, but it's one where literally every seat is good. And like mm. for boxing, wrestling, it is like okay. one of the premier places. And it's next door to the Tokyo Dome, like 20,000 seats uh. and then maybe like 2000, you know, and it was <laughs> so cool to see this match and recognize like the banister and all that kind of thing. Because this shows up in Hajime no Ippo and a bunch of other manga as well. It's what it's like a a mecca of sports. Hmm. So there are all these things that are kind of baked into this story that are like signifiers for people who know, like how the president can wrestle a broomstick and still have it put on a good match. There's this thing in pro wrestling, or it's DDT, I believe, where they have a blow up doll called Yoshihiko, who. <laughs> 
part of like your training is learning to put on a good match where it's you versus the blow up doll. Yeah. And you look at these matches on YouTube and it's like actually good wrestling. <laughs> and I don't know, like the violent cooperation is how I've been describing it with another friend who watches <laughs> wrestling. That's, great. That's amazing. <laughs> and this book does such a good job of showing that because you can't like no one does anything alone, you know, in real life mm. in at work for anything in your life. You've got someone with you, hopefully. And particularly in wrestling where Shiratori can't use his legs, but his partner can do moves that make it look like he's using his legs to convince the crowd. And it works so well that like the crowd is completely like kind of in the mix. Like they're trapped by the story. And that's a, I don't know, it's a good feeling. It's good in sports. It's good in comics. And I think that Inoue did a great job of translating that, that vibe to a graphic novel form. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But all that aside, Christopher, what did you think of the letter writing guy? Did he strike any kind of feeling for you? I, he was reading the letter and he's like, oh, this kid's got an imagination when he was like, oh, a girl talked to me or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is just showing that he's like in a dark place and he can't believe people are happy. But it turns out, no, it was all lies, <laughs> which I thought was really good. <laughs> and he was like, oh, he saw right through it. Oh, this dude has a lot going on he has a lot of interiority mm-hmm. is expressed through his reactions to other people and i thought that that was really good and then the letter writing guy sort of coming out at the end and giving him that yeah. like little bit of you know you can do it you know it that was that was awesome you know yeah, yeah. I mean? like it was just another layer to this to this thing and it looks yeah his he has a great skill for caricature in a way and he he looks so he looks like one of the post-apocalyptic extras in Akira. Like he's so scruffy and scraggly. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite drawings is one seventy-seven. Oh my god! Yeah, where he's t- trying to take off his glasses. It's so he's good. Just like, yeah, he's got like old man, you know, twenty-something face. It's so weird, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, nice. Oh, there's a really cute. I think is it on one thirty-one? It has a little sketch of the character. Mm. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, so good. Yeah. Scorpio Shiratori, he's a pro wrestler about 40, always black t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> See? But Basic. Between the chapters, all these little things. Yeah. yeah. Some of them are funny. Thinking about that character and having him be the character that Takahashi, the other wheelchair user, plays off of for mm-hmm. the first like three quarters of the book, I think is really interesting because I mean I've got you're not I'm sorry to say this. You're not my only wrestling friend who like who's like super super into wrestling. And that character was so true to life. Like it, not only his like love-hate relationship, but realizing that this is the only guy who can maybe relate to him, but like cheering him on, but also booing him, but also like all these things. It really resonated. Like it really felt like Inoue did his homework on that character. Mm-hmm. And it was like I got a sense maybe that Takahashi was almost coming into this and it was a different manga a little bit <laughs> and it's it feel it felt good like it felt like we were entering this world with Takahashi at the same time we were getting this character who's like a guide but also a self insert but also like there's so much going on there it's it was he's yeah. he's great and just one of i think 3 or 4 five characters in one volume that get real interior lives on the page where you feel like Oh, they're really mm, real. 
I'm sorry. It's going to keep happening, man. You got to accept it. People love when you say the title in movies, so we'll just carry that into the podcast. (laughs) Oh, it's real. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, no. It was it was good. I, I actually would, I would encourage you to that. read volume nine too, because it's this is that gives you a lot of context for volume twelve. There's a moment where he gets really frustrated oh, yeah. and he rips off his t shirt. Mm. And, and then he reveals that he has this thing around his neck, like a little charm, a victory charm, like a little wooden victory charm. And then all three of them, the Hanasaki guy that got glasses and Takahashi go, We all have the same thing. Mm. They all have the same charm from the same temple. And that's the nice. moment when they decide they're going to be the three musketeers <laughs> and revolt against. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's really dear. Yeah, I mm. love that stuff. Like between this and Cross Game, I think we've given Chip a pretty good picture of sports manga. Like yeah. it's hard to get like the entire, like so much of it comes from reading characters for like four thousand pages, and they finally make a shot, and like you're weeping, you know, quietly on the bus. <laughs> but it's like a nice little pocket version of that. Yeah. Mm. Chip, what stood out to you as being maybe your favorite part or one of the best parts? Oh, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard one. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, there's like, there are drawings. Like yeah. that, the, the one from the past, that close-up of him oh, from the with the bloody face. Or the dog collar yeah. match with that tongue yeah. out. It's It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, man, there's there's so much in this. It's actually it's, it's dog really color matches are a real thing, by the way. Oh, oh I assumed everything in this was hundred yeah. percent real. Mm. Where two guys wear a dog collar and they just did what I think a year ago. It's it like Whoa. amps the homoeroticness up to like astronomical level. <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know about a a favorite part. Like I loved I loved how the match ended. Mm. Mm. With the headbutts, yeah, yeah, but also just like the the embrace. Mm. Oh yeah, like it was just so beautiful and perfect, and also just like the fact that they weren't afraid to basically break character in that final moment. Yeah, mm. you know, like that that definitely that got me choked up. Yeah, after putting nice. themselves through all that in a match that's all about kind of with like holding up the characters that they're playing and just mm-hmm. and and not making it a like this is the thing that i don't know american comics sometimes do too much not making that like the splash page mm, right yeah superman and lex luther shaking hands or something yeah yeah it's it's a distant shot it's just another panel on the page tiny figures like uh, it's so evocative mm-hmm. yeah I, I i quite like that vision Awesome. It almost felt like the camera was pulling away, like up. It was yeah. like an aerial shot. Mm. And we're like zooming out of the story. We're done now. And you just get the people in the ring at the end. It, it felt like a sport, like a really good sports movie in a way. Yeah. Mm. Also, the smiles on that previous page as he's standing up are incredible. Like yeah. his friend smiling and then having to like look at the ceiling overcome with emotion is an <laughs> absurd storytelling choice. It's so good. So good. Yeah, like him, him stand. So yeah, all right. This is another favorite. Like, yeah. right at the end, him standing, and the look on his face with the tongue out, with the tongue still <laughs> out, just like beaten, <laughs> beaten, close, yeah, feels close to cute. death. But there's still enough of a smirk in that tongue. It's just, it's so good. It's such great acting. Yeah. yeah. 
That's oh, fantastic. Man. Yeah. This moment when they're headbutting and then they're the both of the guys are like they're like you can just feel them like get, throwing <laughs> their bodies back in, in and like oh <gasps> yeah. the Amazing. impact, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no superfluous sound effects here. It is just there's no pow, there's no schmack. It is just drawing and you but you yeah. feel that impact. It's amazing. It's funny, yeah, yeah, the sound effects are used for the tiny things. Like towards the end, it's like it's like slip, <laughs> where he <laughs> where he just s- slowly goes down the page, and then a flood of him just like hitting the mat, just but but slowly and softly. It's just like yeah, it's great. Yeah, and expert crowd control, bringing back the kid from before, and she's like rooting for him this time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just so much to the storytelling in this that's like this kind of stuff is why Inoue became one of my favorite creators, someone who I'll always check out. Because I know I know what like a victory like scenario looks like, but he always brings something more to it. Whether it's like the wild high five and slam dunk that's been homaged a bunch, or just like something small, like a kid breathing hard, being like, You can do it, you know. Yeah. I don't know why I did that in a Rob Schneider <laughs> voice. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> But so my final point before we get to final thoughts, my pre-final thought, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I learned about after reading this, and I mean like 10 years after this book came out in 2014, are retirement tours for Japanese wrestlers where they do one last kind of like big like pageantry. They'll maybe put on like a show just for them to retire. Because Keiji Muto, who is also known as the Great Muto, one of like the most famous Japanese wrestlers in the U.S., had his tour. And after he lost his last match, which is sort of like a tradition, he called his old rival, someone who he debuted against for one last match in the ring, like two very old men having (laughs) one last moment. And it was kind of beautiful because his friend hadn't had a chance to have his own retirement thing. He was injured and had to stop that way. Oh, wow. And this book, like, did such a good job of evoking that feeling of this is the end of the road, but we had such a good run. You know, we're going out, like, we'll take the loss because that's, you know, that's how it goes. But we're going out on top no matter what. It's very beautiful. I know there's That's something awesome. really like capital S sports about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Christopher, let me get a final thought, please. What'd you think of real volume thirteen? On page one eighty one, when old face young man <laughs> shouts, I don't know, I don't know why I'm crying, but pro wrestling is awesome. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is the most David moment in any book we've read so far in 97 episodes of it's Mark true explaining and i love it i love it literally last night may 10th aw dynamite like half the time i was like i can't believe any of this is happening so, yeah. <laughs> it could it's it sums it up too and it could have been real cheesy and maybe well you know we'll throw that image in the show notes and maybe people mm-hmm. will be like this manga seems dumb and i'm gonna stay away but like for real when it hits at that moment it it really hits it's really good yeah i think that that your reaction to that page will probably sum up how you feel going in but if you read through i think it'll (laughs) definitely sum up how you feel when you get to the end too two different ways cool deb how about you what's your final final thought on real volume 13 yeah it rekindled my love for the series or at least my curiosity (laughs) about the series it's been on my shelf for a while 
And I looked on Amazon, it's like, oh my God, there's volume 14 and 15, which I haven't bought. <laughs> so <laughs> time to get back on the wagon, I guess. Yeah. I just love his drawing. And, and I just think he's yeah. so masterful. It's criminal that American comics has not recognized what an amazing artist he is. I think there was an effort a couple of years ago, and Christopher remembers this, when he mm. came to US and did a little press tour. He drew the painting at Kino Konya in New York. We got to meet him, and it felt like meeting a rock star. It was it, it was epic. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like for all the attention that Junji Ito's now finally deservedly getting uh, for his craftsmanship, and you know, for a while there, it was just all the awards just went to Tezuka because that's all they knew. And yeah, I feel like Takiko Inoue really deserves his time in the sun because, by any standard, he's a masterful artist and storyteller, mm-hmm. realist and. And I think I guess that's really interesting because he he hung his hat on basketball, right? So slam dunk, and then he does buzzer beater, and then he does this, which is oh, but basketball, but different. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I'm realizing like he's kind of limited himself with this basketball stuff, huh? Because <laughs> <laughs> he can do some mean wrestling manga. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Awesome. Chip, bring us home. What's your final thought? All I gotta say is that this manga. Is real good. The <laughs> <laughs> Chris gets to do it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You're too unbelievable. Much, you're, 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 too, unbelievable. you're too on all the time. I, I don't know how to tell you this, Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. <laughs> but I love you. Does that does that help? <laughs> do we have to fight it out in the ring now? <laughs> I would pay right. cash money to see that. Actually, <laughs> no. I would, as long as it ends ring. with a hug, I'm down. <laughs> It'll but it'll be all butt. hugs, all hugs. Yeah. It'll be a very. Uh, I've seen those kind of wrestling matches too. Sorry, David. <laughs> where, where were we? Let's rescue this. On page one sixty six, Shiratori does a poison mist, which is one of my favorite wrestling oh. moves. And just my final thought his is, I got almost excited as I would be in real life to see a poison mist <laughs> in the comic book. <laughs> That's how good real volume thirteen is. Amazing. Mm. Oh, man. Sometimes it poisons you. Sometimes it turns you evil. You can never tell what you're going to get with some poison mist. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we're going to take a quick break, come back and give you some shout outs, and we'll see you in a bit. And we are back. We're going to keep it pretty tight this week and just do a few shout outs. I think we picked books last week, hopefully. Check on the website, mangasplaining.com. That has all the information that I can't be bothered to remember. I'm going to start <laughs> with the shout-outs this time instead of choosing someone else while I play for time. My shout-out is Smokey and the Bandit, the movie from the 70s. <laughs> I just never know where you're coming from with these. Yeah. I, was, I was on a plane ride recently, and I saw it on Netflix. I figured, like, why not download it for the plane? Like, I haven't seen it since the 90s. It was pretty fun back then. I was a kid, so I don't remember anything. And mm. as an adult, it's like the best movie in the world. It's yeah. so good. Like Burt Reynolds <laughs> is so charismatic, and the, like the chemistry with him and Sally Field is really good. Mm-hmm. All the jokes land, and the bad guy is like a misogynist, homophobic, racist cop, which just feels like a very twenty twenty three choice. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. It's it's a very good time. Have you seen Cannonball Run? Yeah, I've seen a bunch of movies with the exact plot of Smokey and the Bandit. Okay, Smokey I'm and just the Bandit's like sure. the blood sport of car movies, basically. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I should stop before I say anything else too <laughs> reckless. But it was a really good time. Just super charming, super fun, great steaks, and like weirdly kid safe for the most part. Like there's a few spicy bits, but like all the sexy stuff and violence is off screen. It's still a bit horny though. I mean, it's super horny, but it's like you have Bill's kind of horny. Like you have to, <laughs> okay. you have to have had some life experience to catch all the horniness. Yes, that's true. Do you want the kids learning about horny in the street, or do you want them learning <laughs> horny from Burt Reynolds and? Sally Field. Right? That's where I learned it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we turned out just fine. Yeah, so highly That's recommended. That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> Deb. Oh my goodness. Jeez. Deb, what's your shout out? What do you have for us this week? Ah, uh, well, this is not going to be a great segue, but speaking of buddy movies, <laughs> I'm kind of addicted to Skip and Loafer now. Mm, have you, have you read Skip that one or watched this one? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's about this girl who moves from small town in, in Japan. She moves mm-hmm. to Tokyo because she wants to, she wants to, her dream is to become a politician who can help make her small town survive, right? So she's very serious and very earnest. So she moves to Tokyo and then she, she meets these people, uh, these classmates, and they all become kind of disarmed by her sincerity. But it's really smart high school drama. Like the interiority of these characters is really interesting. And mm-hmm. I had just come back from a reunion with my high school girlfriends. And I guess maybe I can look at it and go, ah, like, oh, this is told from an adult's point of view. You know, the, the kind of things that girls say and do to each other, the kind yeah. of way boys are awkward with each other. But it's very sweet. Like her, the aunt that she goes to live with is as a trans woman. And mm. She doesn't want to go back home because she was bullied when she was a high school student. So you can see there's, it sounds very simple, but it's actually very nuanced and heartwarming and really well told. I, I just, I've been watching the episodes of the anime over and over again, reading that, mm-hmm. the manga and just discovering new layers to it. And it's, yeah, it's just wonderful. It just warms my heart and it's so wonderfully crafted. It just won an award. In fact, look, I think it won one of the Kodansha Awards for manga this year. It's oh, nice. it's awesome. good stuff. Is that on Kindle or is it print only? Are it's Kindle. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. And Christopher, how about you? What's your shout out? I hear you saw a pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wanted to go see another movie. There's a bunch of stuff playing I wanted to see, but I got COVID last week, so... I have been very responsible in staying home, and now I am safe. And I think there's only one cough that managed to get recorded this week, so pretty good. <laughs> wow. I can duplicate it. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually found the interview I did with Takahiko Inoue in 2007 that nice. was at that Kinokunia when they opened up the new Kinokuni in New York at Bryan Park, I was actually one of the people who got invited to go to the opening, and I got to interview Takahiko Inoue. And I put up a like a blog post at the time about going, and I had this interview, and I had to get it transcribed. And I thought I lost it, but I found an email in my email from the person who transcribed it for me, and it's wild. While we were talking, I was like, uh-huh. wait, I did an interview with him, right? <laughs> I know I met him. Yeah, you sure did. And I looked, and I actually looked, it was in an email thread with the transcriber, and Deb 
actually, who was maybe going to put it up on manga.about.com, except I lost track of it because TCAF went crazy and blah, 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 2010, 2011 was the time. So I'm going to put that up on Manga Explaining Extra. The week that this episode comes out, I'm going to rescue a long lost interview. Please go to mangasplainingextra.com. Everyone can, I'll make it free. Everyone can read an interview with Takahiko Inouye that I lost literally (laughs) almost 15, 20 years ago, almost 15 years ago, over 15 years ago. So I don't know if it's relevant, but it'll be fun. It was from just before they started doing the Vagabond Viz Big Editions, actually. Oh, the perfect comics. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect comics. (laughs) (laughs) I love this is like the third time we've discovered Deb interviewed someone that we're discussing on the podcast. No, no, I I, I interviewed him. (laughs) Deb was going to run it because she was like, I see. Deb was the go. nexus of all manga. When she was doing manga.about.com, she yeah. was like the only person writing really about manga in any kind of professional capacity. Like the rest of us all just had blogs and literally live journals where I found some <laughs> live journal posts to Abhay from like 2006. So yeah, like while well, I was looking it up and yeah, Deb was, was the queen even back then. And I'm sorry I didn't actually end up giving you that interview. Of a very small kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> it so, still is a very uh, small kingdom. The kingdom grew with you. <laughs> the kingdom grew with you. Now it's 40% of the entire industry, maybe more. Ugh. Wow, it's comics. still 10% of what gets written in the comics blogs. I'll say that. <laughs> we're doing our part. We're, we're, we're heavy lifting. <laughs> so yeah, so mongsplainingextra.com. Check it out. This week, there'll be a free interview with Anoy Sunset for you to read. That shout out is a flex. I'm impressed. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it every week. I get a, Very rarely. Yeah. Chip, and you got a shout out? You got a you? shout out? Yeah. You're on well, tour right now. I mean, uh, yeah, I've been on the road, so I haven't really consumed a lot. So this is like a, a pre-shout out for a thing I want to see on my trip, mm-hmm. which is a movie coming out called Blackberry, which is about the creation of the Blackberry, which sounds boring. But <laughs> the guy who directed it is a Canadian director, Matt Johnson, who did one of my favorite shows, Nirvana, the band, the show, which is a Toronto production, which is hilarious. And also this movie stars Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> fully bald is it a comedy or no i mean it's 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 a comedy but also like the real story of like the creation of blackberry and how the company presumably fell apart so it's like it's mostly a canadian cast with some fun kind of cameos in it and my friend barry who works for the globe mail reviewed it when it debuted at con i think Mm. and loves it and everyone i know who's seen it loves it so it's coming out this week and it's just supporting canadian content you know CanCon, it's very important. CanCon, yeah. So that's my pre-shout out. I got a lesson in CanCon when I started doing panels at TCAF. Like, I didn't know there was like a legal requirement to have a certain amount of Canadians in your in your programming. Yep, it's true. It's true. That's how I have a career. <laughs> I think with the nice. two of us on this podcast, we hit that MAPL like limit. Can we for, get like, a grant? Money. I, we could, I think we should yeah. be getting grants. I think we, we should probably be could radio. actually. <laughs> actually, that's a weird. Wait, what are you talking about here? Weird question. Oh, so you have to play a certain percentage of Canadian music on the radio airwaves and a certain amount of Canadian television if you're a Canadian television station. And what is defined as Canadian is like four sectors, and it's like musician, like artists, like uh, P is like the 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 maybe it's like scriptwriter and then a producer and then label and it's like what makes it canadian and i think we're technically canadian (laughs) don't tell apple because they've got us in the u.s right now and it's like a way better discoverability market but with that weird 
crappy oh, new bill that, that just so that's passed. That's why every time I go to Toronto, they, they I hear Brian Adams over and over again. Yeah, yes. yeah. that's exactly why. <laughs> and Celine yeah. Dion. Yeah, if Celine you listen to like Dion, a ca- like a Canadian like classic rock station, it's like the same five Canadian artists over and over and over again. <laughs> the poor guess who they had their careers ruined by Can Rock, <laughs> American Woman. Yeah, they would they literally had to play it four to five times a day because there was so little rock and roll music. So if you wanted to have a rock station, you needed the Canadian content, and they they were in the seventies just bitching about it so hard. Because it's like you're ruining our careers because you never stop playing the same song of ours. Yeah. People are starting to hate us. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Actually, speaking of Celine, I was at a bar yeah. two days ago and Taiwanese dude was like, Oh, you're you're American. I'm like, no, no, I'm Canadian. And he's like, Oh, Celine Dion. And that was it. That was like he went right to Celine Dion. And I was like, I can't yeah, actually like, yes, actually. Was it I gotta ask, was it a Taiwanese gay bar? No. Wow. Celine Dion is what people know about Canada and Taiwan. And and he's like, there's another girl and she has a hard name. And I was like, Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. Lavigne. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it's got the, it doesn't, isn't spelled how it's pronounced. And if it's English as your, it was actually his fourth language. He also spoke French and Japanese and Taiwanese and Mandarin. And it was just like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's really hard. Lavigne. Really? Because I and I was like, yeah, sorry, man. It's it's sort of French. There's, yeah. there's nothing we can do about it. But anyway, yeah, Celine Dion. It's I. I'm not even mad anymore. There's nothing to be done. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, since this episode is running a little bit short, I've got two short shoutouts that are actually Ooh. kind of related. Ooh. One is I think I maybe have shouted out before Daniel Warren Johnson's Do a Powerbomb, my other favorite wrestling comic. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. No. What is this? Essentially, a young wrestler's mother dies, and she ends up fighting in a supernatural afterlife, other dimension kind of thing to bring her back with hmm. a tag team partner. Very emotional, a lot of feelings. And also, like, Daniel Warren Johnson is an incredible artist. Like, He's so oh God, good. Yeah. Yeah. He's ludicrous drawing. Shockingly yeah. good artist. Yeah. Actually, I should. Her tag team partner's her dad. But she doesn't know that he's her dad. It's part mm. of the fun of the book. Spoilers. And maybe the dad was responsible for the mother dying a little bit. So it gets dun, really kind of... Yeah, this is all issue one, by the way. Oh, it's wow. beautiful. I had a ton of fun with it. <laughs> Who publishes it? I assume it's Image. Image Comics. Yeah. yeah okay. Nice. It's, out, it's complete in a single volume. There's some great sketches online if you look at Johnson's Twitter, that kind of thing. Hmm. My secondary shout out is Joe Del Manana. Which is Hasta no Joe in Spanish. Wow. It just got like a deluxe, like really handsome reprint, like super bright pages, like almost like blue. They're so white. I like that you and, opened up to the one super nude man page there too. Yeah, I realize, yeah. <laughs> baby. He just he showed us the camera and I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. All right. Let's, yeah. let's read Ashton no Joe. You gotta give the people what they want. But we mentioned Ashino Joe a little bit on the podcast, or at least I have, as being one of like a boxing manga that I like a lot. And I finally realized that my Spanish reading ability is better than my Japanese reading ability. So I jumped on it when a friend told me this existed, which means I own this in Spanish and Japanese now. And also the movies in English. Pretty good. I love fighting boxing anime, I guess. Mm -hmm. But that has been an episode of Manga Splaining. We talked about Real Volume 13. We had a, got super deep and real conversation about that book. It was really fun. We shouted out some stuff. 
And Christopher's going to have an exclusive, in a way, interview on MindExplainingExtra.com. So that's a pretty solid episode overall, I think. And I know we said this was going to be a shorter episode, but I think I also said it's going to be episode 97 or 98 while we were having a discussion about Real. And that's because this is actually episode 101. We're recording this after doing 100 episodes of Manga Explaining, which I think is pretty impressive. We wanted to mark the occasion a little bit. So my accidentally very short real episode ended up being great planning on my part because now we have to <laughs> talk about what we've accomplished over the past, I don't know, 100-something weeks. But Christopher, Chip, am I right in remembering that manga explaining was like a let's get Chip to read manga idea originally? I think it was – we were on the train. The, here's what I remember. We were on the train yeah. on the platform going from Hakodate – uh, Shin Hakodate Hokoto, like up north in, in Hokkaido, to Sapporo. And you were freezing, Dave. You were like, I have never been this cold oh, yeah. in my entire life. Uh, which was, <laughs> you which barely was remember like, the trip. It was <laughs> wow. <Canadian laughs> springtime. It was so nice. <laughs> and yeah. Chip and I were sitting next to each other, and you guys were sitting on the other side. And Chip was like, We should just, this should be a thing. Like, you guys just telling me about manga. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily lost when we were there, but like we were definitely going to places where I'm like, why? What is this museum about a bug man? <laughs> <laughs> That's Shotaro Ishinomori, common yeah. writer. Yeah, a bug man on a motorcycle. Like everywhere we went, seemed to have some sort of tie to manga, or like mm. kind of nerd culture or otaku culture. Mm. If I mm. maybe so bold and i i just i just didn't have any frame of reference for any of it so like i just felt like the whole time we were there i was just getting the three of you to explain it to me so i was like why not continue that past the trip yeah. <laughs> it's so weird too because I, f I remember you felt so overwhelmed by all the like manga and all the work you were seeing when we were in japan like yeah. we basically walked into mandarake one time and it was just like Oh, there's 20,000 <laughs> books in these Mandarakes, and that's just tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it was like there was a bit of an existential crisis, especially if, if it's the same place I'm thinking of, where they had like everything. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, all the like junk stuff. Yeah, tiny figures and big statues and all the manga that's ever mm -hmm. existed. And I was just like, there's too much stuff in the world. Like, <laughs> it made me feel tiny and insignificant on a level I, I haven't felt like um, since I was dating. Mm. <laughs> I remember that because that yeah. that's where I got the Fist of the North Star ebook that collects the entire yes. series. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Which is a great example of the excess because like, it's a huge plastic chunk that only does that thing. And it yeah. takes <laughs> disposable batteries. <laughs> there's a really good photo of you holding it up like a like almost yeah. like a wwe belt or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> or the end of the JPW, but yeah. <laughs> i think it really gelled once we were in sapporo like because we had been hanging out and sort of going around but then deb was like no we're gonna take a car and i was like okay from sendai <laughs> and deb's just driving on these back roads taking us to different museums and like what uh, I remember when we went to the second museum dedicated to Shotaro Yoshinomori, which was like the one that was like, the, like they kept his childhood bedroom intact in like his yeah. parents' oh, and old the mailbox house with the mailbox and like the, the chair and like the glass display case with the manga that were still left in his desk and stuff like that. Yeah. It, that was when it was all just like, 
we're doing a thing here. This is crazy. Because <laughs> well, I had that experience and it was mind blowing to me when I first went was I went to the manga museum called the Mangaton, which was a manga museum just about his creations, right? Just about his characters. Mm-hmm. And then I met someone from Ishimori Pro who said, oh, you have to see the other museum. And I went, what other museum? <laughs> and he goes, oh, but it's really hard to get there by, by train. You have to catch a bus and it takes a while. I'll drive you. And he drove me there. <laughs> and I found out it was the, the Ishinomori Furusatu Museum, which is, Furusatu means hometown. So this is where mm. he grew up. Mm. Then the, what makes that museum different is that it's about him as a person. So the fact that you could have two separate museums dedicated to this one person and his work, where in the U.S., there's maybe, there's a Charles Schultz Museum, and I think that's it. <laughs> I think there's a Kirby Museum. No, there's in no somebody's Kirby. house. Really? <laughs> yeah, but there's an Eric Carl Museum, and he does picture books, which isn't exactly comics. But yeah, there's no Kirby. San Diego Museum would wanted to do something like that too. And yeah, it's so weird that like, and that was just again like Deb and I. We've been to so many different mangaka museums, and there's more that we want to go to together. Like, and and bring you guys along. So. Was kind of wild. So that's yeah, that's the origin story. It was just Chip going. Yeah. I think you even said manga splaining when we were on that trip. I, I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. 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 That's genius. <laughs> well, I yeah. remember thinking like, this is maybe the stupidest title, which means it's going to stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that usually so is what happens. Yeah. I don't have to explain what this. When I when I tell people I'm doing this podcast, and we have the tagline and the name, everyone goes, "Oh, I get it." Mm, yeah, right away. <laughs> get it right away, yeah. and then when we were we had yeah. ALA with a big manga splitting banner in back of us, it was like this beacon to all the lost librarians saying, "We will explain <laughs> manga to you." <laughs> That's awesome. Perfect. Branding genius over here. I'll tell it you. It took some yeah. time after that because it was like I was. I mean, we're everyone's busy, right? Like even right now, we're all doing so much different stuff in our lives. But yeah, the pandemic just like put a put a stop. To literally everything for a while there. Yeah, Chip reached out and was like, "Hey, do you want to? Do you want to talk about? Do you want to do that podcast idea that we talked about? Talk to Deb and David and see what's up." And I was like, "You know, whatever. Like, sure, I guess. <laughs> not, in good, not in a good headspace." Then, whenever I ask Chris to do anything, he just goes, "Whatever." Yeah. Okay. Like, if this it is what sense. we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. If Chip thinks it's a good idea, I guess we're doing it. So, uh, and here yeah. we are, hundred hundred episodes later. Yeah, that's pretty. Fun cool. fact, though, episode one hundred is actually episode one hundred and one because we recorded an episode zero, oh. which was oh, yeah. uh, getting to and... know Chip episode. <laughs> is that <laughs> what was it was? Like... <laughs> it's like Korean birthdays, right? Where in Korea, yeah. like you're you're older <laughs> than you are. <laughs> oh, they're, they're talking about changing that too, and Korea is in an uproar. Everyone's going to lose a year. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, I was, and we've done a couple of like, there's one bonus episode that we just put online, which is an interview with Ken Nimura. That's not part of the regular numbering and stuff. So I don't know. We're, we're up at episode 104. It's like a Marvel Comics 100. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. That's not fine. that bad. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> it's, it's enough of 100 to be 100 celebration, I think. Oh yeah, we're yeah, firmly but, yeah. in the 100 plus club. So that's, that's good. Yeah. The chip said something maybe on the last time we talked about the last season finale that like doing this podcast was really helpful during the pandemic too because it was like something to come back to. 
And I really mm. felt that. Like, I've been as bummed out as anyone else, but you kind of can't show up to podcast recording bummed out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> can't stay yeah, yeah. bummed out. Yeah, that too. You know, like, you can't be uh, anxious while you're laughing is something my therapist told me that I hope is actually true science. And this podcast is really good for that because I think we get really deep, but we have a good, like, comedy angle to the stuff we talk about too. Mm. Like, it's a very warm podcast is how it feels from the inside, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that transmits too. The feedback that we get, I mean, we, like Deb alluded to, we did ALA and we would occasionally run into people who had heard the podcast already and were fans. And it was just like really warm and nice. It was really, really kind of them to say nice things. And I haven't done a lot of, I read most, read most of the mail that comes in and the comments and stuff like that. And people really listen to things that we say, even when we screw up, like, for example, I didn't know anything about Hannibal uh, last episode. <laughs> I, I heard about that. Mention, I got two texts. <laughs> oh, no, no, got one. Yeah, I got a text have to watch too. Hannibal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that was good because then it was something to reconnect with friends. Like yet again, while explaining, bringing the good vibes. Yeah, it was nice. Yep. Yeah, it was honestly, I'll, I'll reiterate that. It was, it was a really nice. It was a really nice thing to be able to do that every week and see you guys talk to anybody other than, you know, my husband, uh, who I like, but you know, going on children over here, talking to Andrew, it was good to talk to anybody else and have like an hour a day where I was like laughing and happy. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I haven't re-listened to those early episodes. I, I, yeah, my headspace is so different now, but I will say yeah. wasn't even a consideration that when I moved like to the other side of the world and time zones and all that shit that I would stop or anything. So I love this too much. It was really great. So yeah. Thanks guys. All right. This won't be our final episode. <laughs> it sounds really Thanks. funereal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting comments from people and this, well, I mean, get really nice ones, but they're like, Chip knows too much. You need another new. Never, I have never heard that comment about anything in my life. <laughs> we have to get weirder in the future. Yeah, yeah. We did a good job this season. There's some, there's some picks yeah. in there. <laughs> Wait till next season. Oh, I've well. got plans. Yeah, but <laughs> Deb, I know you're like a voracious manga reader. I think you and Impulsive. I both pick up. <laughs> That too. I think that's baked into voracious, maybe. <laughs> but I noticed that the podcast actually made me read a little bit less manga per week than I had been oh, doing yeah? before it. I uh-huh. think because I spent so much time thinking about the one book we were going to do, like a book club kind of thing. Hmm. Oh. And then like editing it is just always on my mind. Where before I would look at the new release list every Tuesday and pick out like a couple of gems. Has this hmm. changed your reading habits at all? I mean, clearly mm. not. <laughs> no, I'm still reading a lot. Yeah. I'm getting a lot less freebies. Hi, publishers. Send me more books again. <laughs> yeah. See, I never got freebies. That's so cold. But it's almost like I catch up on manga in bursts now. Like every couple of months, I'll do all like my, my leisure reading. and Everything else is like manga explaining reading. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of had that too. Yeah. But I like, you know, like everyone's taste is so different. Like, you know, like I have my general things I like to read that I'll, you know, I'll buy every time a new volume comes out. And so it's nice mm-hmm. to be kind of pushed and like to read something that I, you know, didn't have time to read or didn't, didn't get into, yeah. didn't really have a reason yeah. to get into. Like there's so many on my list that everyone goes like, what, you've never read that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'm pretty sure we're probably going to have to read Berserk at some point. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> It'll be a heavy, heavy week. Yeah. That'll be an interesting <laughs> one. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one, I think. And mm. there's so many, you know, uh, I mean, generally speaking, I, you know, obviously I tend towards the, particularly with during the pandemic, right? Like I go mm. for the laughs. I go for the mm. warm fuzzies. I go for the yeah. romance because it's relaxing, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, being forced to, to get angry at Die Dark was funny. Yeah. <laughs> or Frank yeah. and Friends, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I spent yeah. money on this. Uh, what, what's going on? <laughs> Die Dark 2 and Frank and Friend Volume 2 coming next season. There uh, you go. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They were interesting reads. And it was it was good to see, you know be given that assignment and to yeah. see to, to you know to venture to those corners of the manga shelf that I normally don't. Definitely broadened my horizons too. Like we just recorded, was it Nejishiki that we did last time? Oh, yeah. 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 That was something where I would have been curious about it, but not necessarily like looked to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I had a really good time with it. So, mm. yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Chip, how do you feel? I mean, now that you're a manga expert, one of the manga splainers instead of the manga splain, like, how do you feel? <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird because my ability to retain information is low. So mm-hmm. I feel like I f- keep forgetting things about manga as we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there are terms and things I'm, or like creator names I'm just never going to remember. So even though I've learned a lot, I've also forgotten a lot. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm You've not saying I'm more back than many to, people will ever know. It's true. I'm not back to square one, but. It's funny, I was having a conversation with a DC Comics editor this morning about the podcast, and I uh, actually got to recommend books to him. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. I know I know enough to recommend books. That's yeah. that's something that's totally new. And be like, oh, you're into this? You might like this, which yeah, is wow. yeah, wow. a valuable skill, I think. That's, that's awesome. What, what did you recommend? The, yeah. Especially <laughs> Vinland Saga. Mm. Yeah, and my, my 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 go tos, which are Tokyo Terror Rainbow Girls, obviously. Yeah, because we were talking about Sex in the City, and Way of the House Husband for sure. Pluto. Nice. So yeah, a mix of season one and whatever this current now. season is. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Is it four? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. That's a really great short list. And uh, mm. you know, like if she said, "Oh, like manga," if I had to recommend manga, but people don't read much manga. I'd say those four are pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. And Dick Fight well, Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I didn't suggest Dick Fight Island to my boss at DC Comics, but. <laughs> You're a because they've already right? read it, of course. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a given. Part of the canon yeah. at this point. He yeah. would just be like, Dick Fight Island, is that like a Nightwing book? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a, it kind of is. That's actually. a DC joke for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> summer crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Of any any DC hero that was sent to Dick Fight Island, it's obviously Nightwing. <laughs> well, it's Dick. obviously long hair Nightwing. Dick, I yeah. think I don't think it's like modern Nightwing necessarily. It's got to be like the luscious locks. Nightwing. Oh, like this? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I love that once in a while you guys go off on American comics, and I don't know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> what? It's better that way. <laughs> Come on, Deb. No, no, I know Nightwing, but you know, when you said Dick Fight Island, I thought, yeah, I guess his outfit is kind of. <laughs> it's like, no, his name's Dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah. also, he's he like traditionally hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that is such a manga explaining digression. I think a good one to go out on, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you all for listening to a hun- hundred ish episodes of manga explaining. <laughs> to just abandon numbers next season. And we'll be back for more next week. We will see you later. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 101, more or less, covering real by Takahiko Inoue. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Not All Girls Are Stupid by Minami Kyuta. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can even follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. And check out our newsletter and digital publishing endeavor at MangaSplainingExtra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.